This week on episode 506 of Priority One, we check out the latest news about a new Jeopardy guest host. We'll take Enterprise Engineers for 200. Thanks, LeVar. John Delancey teases more on Picard, and we really mean teases. And in Star Trek Gaming, the Worf Returns mystery is finally solved, plus a screen-perfect pilot ship to power your Season 3 disco dreams. You're listening to a Roddenberry podcast. Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 506 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Your weekly recap and review of all the major news happening in the Star Trek multiverse. This episode was recorded on Tuesday, April 27th and available for download or streaming on Friday, April 30th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elio. I'm Kat. And I'm Roscoe. How y'all doing, guys? Not bad, not bad. It's good to be back this week, and uh, thank you all for joining us. Yeah, thanks. We want to welcome new listeners to the show and hope you'll stay in touch. You see, we're a podcast produced by the community, a community of Star Trek fans. So it's important we also hear your opinions as well. Be sure to follow us on places like Twitter and Facebook, where we post weekly community questions, special announcements, and more. Just search for Priority One Podcast on your favourite app, and you'll find us. Or you can email us. Reach out at incoming at priorityonepodcast.com. As Roscoe said, this is a community podcast produced by a team of volunteers that dedicate their time and talents each and every week. From audio editors to writers to us, the hosts, we come together each week because we're passionate about the Star Trek multiverse. And like any passion project, it's hard to keep things running at no cost. So if you find value in this production and want to help us to continue to grow, check us out at our Patreon page. There you can become a patron for as little as a dollar a month. Speaking of patrons, big shout out to Brent Guile for joining the Patreon family. Welcome, Brent. Indeed, a family it is, Captains. We produce this show because we are passionate about the Star Trek multiverse. And anybody who's volunteered to do something or anybody who has a passion project, whether it's collecting stamps or building model airplanes or podcasting, does it because they're passionate. They're not into it to do it for the money or to get some kind of big return other than the satisfaction of doing something creative and sharing it with people. So if you're interested in being a part of our community of podcast production, then we encourage you to visit us over on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Up on the top of the site, you'll see a link that says join the team with a list of open positions. We're looking for community managers to help us with our social media. We're looking for audio editors and audio engineers. We're looking for video editors, artists, you name it. There is always something that we can develop with your help. So, again, PriorityOnePodcast.com and click on the Join the Team link. Now let's find out what's been happening in the Star Trek multiverse. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. 
The warm embrace of Trek fandom is something truly unique. When you finally find it, it turns out it can change your world one episode at a time. At least that's the case for Anson Mount, who's currently filming the first season of Strange New Worlds. In an interview with Collider promoting his new film The Virtuoso, the new Captain Pike was asked about the episodic nature of the new series and explained how a misunderstanding from Akiva Goldsman started it all. Quote, All Goldsman had heard about Discovery was that it was going to be a pre-Kirk show, so he assumed it was a show about Captain Pike. He gets in the writer's room and he's like, wait, what? This is a different show. Okay, all right. We can play with this, but we've got to do another show. So he was lobbying for it and lobbying for it and lobbying for it. I got lucky enough to be cast in the role for season two of Discovery. I just thought it was one season gig and that was it. End quote. Mount goes on to talk about the episodic nature of Star Trek and how he feels there is room for both serialized stories like Discovery and the big idea of the week episodes. It's quite the impact the character has had over only one season as Mount goes on to express his gratitude for the welcome he's received from fans. Quote, Honestly, I've never felt such an embrace from the fan base on anything I've done. It really is night and day, and I'm very thankful to everyone with Gene Roddenberry and CBS and Alex Kurtzman and Akiva for putting a huge amount of trust in me to be able to do it, end quote. For the links, check out our show notes. I gotta tell you, Anson Mount was the saving grace of season two of, of Star oh, Trek Discovery. Agree, 1,000%. Mm-hmm. You know what? I would sit through 45 minutes of this guy just sitting in the captain's chair, looking out into the void. <laughs> that's wow. just the whole season. That's, that's fine with me. Just him. I feel like Anson Mount is like your old school movie leading man. He has that quality to him. That that type. He's that type of character actor. And to have him at the lead of a brand new Star Trek series, that's kind of the gravitas I think it deserves, particularly in the time frame it's set. So that's, yeah, brings me, that sparks a lot of joy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, my favorite episode of season two of Discovery was New Eden, and that was mm-hmm. just, I mean, you, I was just like, this is amazing. You know when I recognized that he was a phenomenal actor? It was in season two of Discovery when Vina appears in his ready room, and he reacts frightened, right? He's shocked to see her. That reaction that he gives was so natural and so nuanced that I was like, man, this guy's a good actor. This guy knows how to react. Like he knows how to be in the moment and react to what's happening with his co-stars. So yeah, this guy, like I said, this guy can sit in the captain's chair and just look out into the view screen and I'd be okay. It was genuine. It was vulnerable. It was, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it helps for me to redefine that moment that we already have in Star Trek in the timeline and gives it even greater gravitas because now we see the after effect of that clearly the impact it's had on his life has been huge just in that moment and in that moment right that moment that he reacts to Vina it's not a fear reaction right it's not like oh it's a monster it's a oh my gosh somebody's come back from the dead somebody I loved has come back from the dead it was that kind of reaction where it was a confused fear surprise it was just so well well performed so yeah yeah I'm I'm really eager to see what Strange New Worlds has to offer I saw an article recently uh, or maybe just a post somewhere the with a comparison of Captain Pike at the start of Discovery Season 2 versus the end of Season 2 and over the course of however long that is 
there must have been a lot of stress because he went from jet black hair to, oh my God, so many greys. Uh, so that was a high stress situation illustrated in just that. Well, Captains, remember all the way back to episode 504 of Priority One? You know, the one where we encouraged you all to sign the petition to support LeVar Burton becoming the host of Jeopardy? Well, the powers that be heard you, along with the other 246,000 people who signed the petition. So now it's been announced that Burton has been included in the latest slate of guest hosts for the 37th season of Jeopardy. According to the producers of the show, their goal for the season was to showcase a wide variety of hosts with, quote, different skill sets and backgrounds on our path to finding a permanent host, end quote. The other guest hosts on the list are George Stephanopoulos, Robin Roberts, and former Celebrity Jeopardy champ David Faber, along with National Sportscaster of the Year winner Joe Buck. As part of each guest host's appearance, a charity of their choice will receive a donation. Now, Burton is slated to host the week of July 26th. Celebrating the guest host announcement, Burton appeared on The View earlier this week, where he confirmed to Whoopi Goldberg that he will not be appearing in Season 2 of Star Trek Picard. However, he still leaves fans with some hope that he might appear at some point in future seasons, stating, quote... I believe it's reasonable, in fact, practical to assume that Picard still knows these people. That's right. I think we might see some more of his friends. At least I hope we do before this is all over. The interview covered a variety of topics, including Burton's acting history. The two discussed his role as Kunta Kinte in Roots, which aired to more than 100 million people around the world in 1977. Continuing with Reading Rainbow, of course, Star Trek The Next Generation, and ending his current podcast project, LeVar Burton Reads. Goldberg and Burton also spoke about inclusivity and the impact of Nichelle Nichols' role as Lieutenant Uhura, saying, quote, Because what it said was, when the future comes, there's a place for us, and that's a huge message to send. I believe it's difficult, if not impossible, to grow up with a healthy self-image unless you can see yourself in popular culture, end quote. We recommend you check out the entire interview. Links will be in the show notes. Obviously, we and the other 246,000 people who signed that petition can't get enough of LeVar Burton. Even Ryan Reynolds recently sang Burton's praises. Well, he didn't literally sing, but in a new ad for Aviation Gin, Reynolds says he wants to prove how great a host of Jeopardy that Burton would be, and he announces that Burton is stepping in for him as the spokesperson for the gin. The scene then cuts to Burton sitting by a pool sipping a... Out of this world, gin and tonic made with aviation gin. The two banter back and forth with Reynolds proclaiming that Burton is a goddamn national treasure. The ad ends with Burton telling Reynolds, This isn't going to work out, Ryan. If nothing else, the ad shows that Burton is definitely an excellent host. There is a lot of LeVar Burton to be had this week. (laughs) I mean, I think it was like everyone was caught by surprise, maybe, how much support he had. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I would have thought that the producers of Jeopardy would have wanted to include him. But do you, I mean, the question is, did the fans really make a difference by signing that petition? And and everybody else that supported him on Twitter, I mean, Dick Van Dyke, I mean, Ryan Reynolds, you've got, you know, all kinds of people. So I, I I am curious to know if that actually did make a difference to those producers. I would imagine so. I think 
think it gained enough traction on social media that it raised somebody's attention, right? It got to, it, it came across somebody's desk. And although, I, you know, sure, they're, you know, doing a rotation of hosts this season, perhaps to, like, like Roscoe, like you said, is, you know, sometimes you need a palate cleanser like a Dr. Oz before you get somebody awesome like LeVar Burton so that you have something to compare against. Either way, though, I mean, this is a phenomenal opportunity. And that conversation with LeVar Burton and Whoopi Goldberg was also another excellent, excellent snippet of the intellect and the power and the respect that he has for so much, right? I mean, whether it's entertainment, whether it's literature, whether it's race and social policy, LeVar Burton is a renaissance man that can tackle anything. So I'm really excited. Yeah, I think it's fantastic that he's making the rounds on the, you know, daytime talk shows. I gotta say, though, the new format of The View is weird since, you know, everyone's virtual. They actually don't speak over each other and they take turns, which is nice. It was nice because everyone got to ask a question and he answered. He's just awesome. I wonder if Whoopi has control on The View and so may occasionally leave other panelists on mute. (laughs) Oh, no. Just putting it out there. What I keep on seeing whenever LeVar Burton is on the screen lately, he has this amazing, quiet, considered presence. Every phrase he utters, he's considered, he's thought about it. He doesn't say it unless he really means it. And it's really refreshing. It's nice. And it's so genuine. And to bring that to something like Jeopardy, I think it would be, I feel like would be a, a, a worthy successor. But then again, I'm also in a different situation because I didn't grow up watching Jeopardy. So for me, this is just another game show. And I'm looking at going, okay, that that's that's nice. I think that's really nice. But I I don't have that cultural understanding. So this it's interesting to see the hype around this and the build for it from a different perspective because yeah, it's just it's not part of um uh, the the um televisual culture where I grew up. Hmm. That's interesting. I'm like, it was a daily uh, occurrence in our household. My mom and I would watch Jeopardy together all the time. Mm -hmm. That leads us to our first community question this week. If you were writing for Geordi's return in a show like Star Trek Picard, how would you set it up? Let us know in the comments section for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com or by replying to our community question post on our social media channels like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Now, we may be grasping at straws with this next story, but it does feature one John Delancey talking at us. So it's worth a mention, if only to enjoy the thespian's charisma. In a post on the subreddit television dated April 20th, user What a Girly Girl shared a cameo video from Q himself, the previously aforementioned John Delancey. Delancey seemed to be answering a few questions posed by the cameo submitter. In particular, please tell us that Q gets to harass Picard. To which the 73-year-old Delancey replied, I do! Had the exchange ended there, it probably wouldn't have made the show, though it still would have been well worth a watch. But Delancey continued, quote, And please tell us that um, if Whoopi comes back, you're going to harass her as well. I will! 
Delancey didn't backpedal, he didn't expound, he just left the possibility of a Q-Guinan reunion there, beautifully in the ether. What does this mean? Well, nothing really. But it's interesting, Delancey addressed the question which he could have avoided altogether, and answered it with gusto. Only time will tell. Every time he's just out promoting whatever the heck he's doing makes me more and more excited about him returning to Star Trek. It's so good. Cameo's an interesting platform to garner this information. And thank you to uh, What A Girly Girl for sharing that on Reddit. Sometimes, yeah, with cameos, they can be very personal. With this one, it's, yeah, it's it's an interesting way to get that information and, and get the interview. I mean, I got a cameo from one of the voice actors from the Borderlands franchise because uh, a friend of mine was having a birthday and they really loved the game so it seemed like a nice way to celebrate their birthday with something entirely different but using it as an entertainment information gathering tool that's interesting that's an that's an interesting way to to go about it have you guys requested any cameo videos at any point uh not personally but i contributed to someone else's yeah i mm-hmm. have not either and it's it, a lot of it has to do with that they can be expensive. Like Brent Spiner starts at 250. Even Greg Grunberg starts at $125. Who's that? Uh, he played, uh, all right, so he was in Star Trek Beyond. Uh, um, he was the guy who was like, Captain, there's something happening out there outside our bubble. Uh, he was in Heroes. He played one of the superheroes in Heroes. Oh, okay. He was the telepathic guy in Heroes. Yes, yes. Yeah, Telepathic yeah, yeah, cop. Yeah. So these can be a little pricey. These, you know, they can be a little pricey, but, you know, maybe you're right. It's an interesting way of getting your, your source of Star Trek news. Last I saw, Frank, was 350. Yeah, oh, wow. Ain't, well, ain't cheap. That's big money. It's also like a unique pandemic type of thing because so many artists were, you know, stuck at home. How else are they going to make money? So a bunch of my songwriter and, you know, band friends, you know, were doing cameos, personalized, singing a song, you know, to make money during pandemic. Well, Captains, that's all the news we have to check out this week. Now let's find out what happened in the world of Star Trek gaming. Congratulations, high score. Captains, if you love to do a barrel roll throughout the galaxy in your favorite pilot warship in Star Trek Online, but all of the available options feel too binding, then this story is for you. Announced this week via social media, Grudge's ship, <clears throat> excuse me, former courier Cleveland Booker's ship, the Quajon pilot frigate, will be available in-game for PC players as of May 4th. It's agile, it's versatile, and its five forward-facing weapons will destroy your enemies with Extra cat friend not included. Available only through the Infinity Box. Universal consoles limited to the ship. Phaser cannons not upgradable. Consult your chief medical officer to ensure this ship is right for you. This tier 6 pilot warship also has an innate ability. That being something you don't need a console for. Morph reversal! Much like Book's ship in Season 3 of Discovery, the starship is highly maneuverable due to the detached everything. Using the ability means you can swing your ship into the opposite direction using the morphing mechanism. Power coins not included. Rangers, 
But the shuffling of the components will cost you. Your weapons and auxiliary subsystems will be briefly disabled. Other highlights include some sweet multi-part animations when performing pilot maneuvers, and a suite of 32nd century phaser cannons that have a chance to recover recharge time for your bridge officer abilities. Also announced in the blog post was that the contents of the Angel's Wake lockbox have now been rolled into the Infinity lockbox. For a full list of specs, check out our show notes. So let's talk about this ship, right? It's another ship added into the Infinity lockbox, not in a sea store, right? You have to open these boxes in order to have a chance of winning. Or you can buy it on the exchange. Oh, right. You can buy it outright. Probably a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> probably, I would estimate, 1.5 yeah. billion A EC. billion energy a credits. A billion EC. So who is this ship suited for? Well, I think it's suited for players that really like quick, fast little ships. If you like the pilot ships, you will probably love this ship. But even saying that, if you, unless you just can't be bothered to try other types of ships and you're just stuck flying a dreadnought cruiser or something, you know, very large and slow, I think that this ship is, is really, really interesting because it has a lot of defense. You really, you know, it says it's a frigate, but it has a 5-3 weapons layout. You just don't see that normally. I mean, I, I can't think of any other small ships like this that have that same weapons layout. So if you were trying to think of other ships with a 5-3, the only ones I could think of was a Vengeance and then that legendary Dreadnought Cruiser, the Mirror, Mirror Galaxy. I don't know. Roscoe, did you, could you think of any other 5-3 layout ships? Because there's not really any other small ones. The Maybe the legendary Defiant? Is that a 5-3? That was that was the only one that I could think of that came to mind. The fact that it it's, has five weapons on the front, three in the rear. It's a very good setup in terms of the uh, yeah being a, a dreadnought. It feels like it could be, but yeah, I find this ship announcement interesting because there's just a couple of little, as we mentioned in the notes, in the uh, terms and conditions almost, it's the cannon versions of the weapon come with the frigate, but they're not upgradable. Uh, that will be available elsewhere in the future, but not right now, according to Star Trek Online. Uh, also, the universal console. What does that mean, not upgradable? These are the weapons that come standard when you get the ship. With, like, some of the other ships, there are these special type of weapons that have not been available in the game as of yet. So these are the standard weapons that are going to come on this ship. They're these, um, you know, 32nd century phaser weapons. But the ones that come standard on the ship, you can't upgrade them because they haven't announced it. But I suspect that those are going to be uh, included, the upgradable versions, in the next lockbox after this next run of the Infinity lockbox. So whatever the next lockbox is, we'll probably get versions of those those phaser weapons that will be upgradable. But I'm still interested in the weapons. I mean, they sound interesting uh, and really, you know, something like that you'd want to check out. I like the idea of the universal console as well, that the, the ship then reassembles and basically Star Wars The Last Jedi, Jedi style warps through an enemy, but the universal console is limited only to that ship as, as well. So if you want to use that console, you can only use it on this frigate. Well, I mean, that makes sense because this thing just changes shape. I don't know if you guys watch the animations mm. of the shape changing that it does, but it is the coolest thing. I think that this ship is actually one of the more interesting uh, combinations of traits and consoles that that they've you know released recently because it changes shape it's surprisingly got a lot of defense when it changes shape into that 
that ramming, you know, trait or ramming skill that it's doing, you know, it, you're basically, you know, just, a, you know, crashing into other ships, causing all kinds of damage. So, I mean, I'm really surprised with and interested. I really think I might want this ship just because it seems to have a really great combination of offense and defense. Yeah, I feel like this is going to be something that if you are looking for something different as a in a pilot warship, but also you specifically want to try this out, then there's going to be some really fun builds that I think you can have with this, particularly around, say, increasing and boosting your kinetic damage, particularly with the, the smasher assembly, ramming through ships. Yes. Yeah, I think this is be going to be a ship that, that players would potentially seek out to give it a try and, and make it part of a particular type of build. Yeah, I think it's really unique, and I'm, I can't wait to see when someone has it so I can see what it looks like in-game. Now, all right, so look, my only concern about this ship is whether or not there's going to be a fluffy kitty chilling on the dashboard on the bridge interior. Because you can see the bridge from the outside, right? Like, in those videos and the pictures, you kind of look, you can look inside almost, right? So there better be a fluffy Maine Coon just chilling on yes. a console somewhere inside the ship. Well, we better get Maine Coon options in our pet com- cat companion boxes. <laughs> True. <laughs> that would be my new, my new thing I must have. Now, before we wrap up our coverage of Star Trek Online, we do have Armada News. We do. This week in Armada News, we have a big announcement regarding the expansion of the Xbox fleet. They have announced they are activating two new fleets this week. A second Fed fleet, they're calling Priority One Beta, and a KDF fleet called the House of Moog. Congrats to the Xbox fleet. That's so great. You guys are expanding and growing. Well done. Nice. Welcome. And now moving on to other gaming news. Last week we reported that Michael Dorn kind of broke the Star Trek Twitter community with a cryptic post about some kind of return to Starfleet. Well, not long after, we learned what it was all about. In a tweet posted to his account on April 23, we learned that Mr. Dorn has lent his voice to Tilting Point's newest mobile game, Star Trek Legends. In the marketing post, we hear Worf sending out a distress call from within the Nexus. Come in. I repeat, come in. This is the USS Artemis. Immediate assistance required. We have entered the Nexus. Nothing is as it seems. Federation officers, past and present, united with former enemies to stop the Dreamless. Spock is down. The hull has been breached. Reality is collapsing around us. If you are hearing this... So, at least we know for certain what that tweet was about now. But why introduce a new starship to set the stage for the game? Well, during a press event, comicbook.com reports that executive producer and creative director Amir Lotan explained, quote, We had to kind of set up that the Federation of Planets created this unique starship that's the only starship in the fleet that can go into that realm. We didn't want a starship that would be associated specifically with one of those shows or one of those eras, end quote. So if you're interested in trying out the game, it's currently available exclusively via Apple Arcade for US $4.99 per month or US $49.99 annually. No word yet if we'll ever see an Android version on Google's Play Pass. So I toyed around with the game a little bit, and, you know, I, I got through the tutorial, essentially, and, and it, it's not terrible. I just have a hard time thinking about the Nexus, because whenever I spend more than, like, 30 seconds trying to really kind of dissect 
the, what the Nexus is and how it plays its role in the Star Trek multiverse, you just end up in a in a loop, feedback loop of paradox that it just is impossible to get out of. It's impossible. Nevertheless, like we've never seen the Nexus in Star Trek Online, right? And I kind of wonder why. I kind of wonder why we've never seen it. It could be for that reason, is that it's a difficult plot device to use. But, you know, I think, you know, it's for a mobile game where you're just tapping and, you know, tapping and shooting and collecting items. It, it, it works. I have to check I it out. I have to correct you like... because in Star Trek Online, we do have a mission with Captain LaForge and the Challenger beyond the Nexus. We don't go into the Nexus. We're next to the Nexus. But there is there is a mention of the Nexus in Star Trek Online and in Beyond the Nexus. But you don't Nexus. go into it, though. No, you don't right, go right, into right, it, though. Right, no. right. So there's a difference between a mention and, like, having a mission. Like, you know, we went into the Mycelial Network, right? Like, that that's a mission about the Mycelial Network. We've never had a mission or an arc that had to do with the Nexus, right? Like, that, that really led us into having to deal with those paradoxes so i don't know man i'm kind of glad they didn't do it i'm kind of glad they didn't i think you might be thinking about this too hard of course i am you might be thinking yeah i think you might be thinking about this too hard because you're looking at it from uh, an in-game world perspective when what you should be doing is just going this is really good and i'm going to be able to kill five minutes when i am in the bathroom that's really i can't you should i don't be have an at. iphone i can't i can't i don't have an iphone so I can't well, do it in the bathroom. I can't help with that, but I can I can tell you it's a great way to kill five minutes. Fair enough. Say no more. Well, that's all the news we have to cover in Trek Games this week. Well, that wraps up episode 506 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. But there are more great shows available to you on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Just visit podcasts.roddenberry.com for a complete list. Then be sure to subscribe to them all and share them with your friends. But we can't forget to send a special thanks to some of our Patreon supporters like David K. Rutley, Peter Archibald, and Gerald Bosch. And here's a reminder of our community question this week. If you were writing for Geordi's return to a show like Star Trek Picard, how would you set it up? Captains, it's important to us that you get your voice heard and that you participate in the conversation. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or find us on Twitter and Instagram at PriorityOnePod. And if you're still craving more, be sure to spend time with Winters, Anthony, Thomas, Gray, me, plus the rest of the Priority One Armada. Saturday nights, the Armada broadcasts live to review the latest news from Star Trek Online and the Armada community, including spotlighting some of our amazing members. With regular giveaways, there's something for all Star Trek Online players, whether you're new or a veteran. Follow us on all our social media accounts for broadcast times, and if you'd like to join the Armada, visit PriorityOneArmada.com. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by our patrons through patreon.com captains during these difficult times we're humbled by the continued support that you all show for this production and remember you don't have to contribute a lot you can donate as little as a dollar a month and if many of you contribute a dollar a month that'll go a long way to help us produce this show for more information visit us at patreon.com forward slash priority one and don't forget to tune into priority one productions guard frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com. Each episode, the guard will take you inside the 
universe of your favourite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to heroesrisepodcast.com to discover their secrets. Thanks to our audio editors, including Gray, Brandon, William, Daniel, Rand, Lennon, and the latest addition to our team, Alex. Thanks to our producer, Jake, and associate producers, Shane and Thomas. Together, they help us organize and write up our summary of the weekly headlines from the Star Trek multiverse. Thanks to our graphic artist, Alejandro, with support from Jason of the Priority One Armada. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners, because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Ready weapons. Engage. I'm Elio. I'm Kat. And I'm Roscoe. Yo, that delay to Australia is for real. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, some very interesting news this week. Uh, I'm liking what I'm seeing. I'm liking where it's going in, in a few different things. Some old characters returning. Some new what situations. You, what? No, 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 no. I'm just going to stop you right I, there. I don't know what banter you're trying to pull out of your butt, but it <laughs> <laughs> is a little out of my butt. Sorry. Just, just, just go ahead. Just go, go into the show. Go to the show. It's great to see you all and be on this podcast. You too, Roscoe. You, <laughs> you too. too, Roscoe. Roscoe, just give up, man. Just, just bail. Just bail. Moving go. on. <laughs> Moving on. The other guest hosts on the list are Good Morning America and This Week with George Stephanopoulos. Shoot, I always f*** up his name. Steph <laughs> Stephanopoulos. Stephanopoulos. <laughs> Stephanopoulos. So, it's worth a mention, if only to enjoy the Thespian's Charisma. I went out yep. with a girl called uh, Thespian Charisma. I, uh, I, Jake, I miss you, Ray. <laughs> this is a Roddenberry Podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.rottenberry.com.